Hi, this is Wayne Zell, and you're listening to Blueprint for Wealth, a podcast that's designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. Blueprint for Wealth is brought to you by the law firm of Odin, Feldman, and Pittleman, servicing clients all across the D.C. metro area and across the country. If you'd like to know more about the firm, visit us on the web at OFPlaw.com. And if you'd like more content on tax, estate planning, and business planning topics of interest, visit my blog, blueprintforwealth.org, and you can access audio, video, and articles of interest on those topics. And subscribe to the blog so you'll get updates as they're posted. Today is the fourth part in a four-part series on protecting your assets from creditors and predators. The first three parts dealt with an overview, when it's too late to protect yourself from creditors, and insurance and exemptions that are available for federal bankruptcy protection as well as state law. Today I'm going to finish up talking about uh, protecting your assets from creditors in the business context uh, by giving you a business entity uh, protection analysis, and also there are some available protections by using trusts, which we'll touch on very briefly. If you want more detail, you'd have to listen to a more in-depth podcast on that topic. As a business, it's never prudent, in my opinion, to operate a business as a sole proprietor or as a general partnership. A general partnership is a combination of two or more people who are engaged in an activity that might be business or investment for profit without doing anything further to protect your assets. A sole proprietor is exposing his or her assets to the liabilities of all of his or her creditors and customers and clients. So wouldn't it be prudent to set up some type of entity between you and your personal assets and your business activities? to protect from that. And as a general partner in a general partnership, you're also subject to unlimited claims of the partnership, regardless of whether or not you were responsible for that. So general partnerships, as a general matter, are no longer being used in commerce or in business. So providing some protection at a minimum is important. If you're a sole proprietor, you might set up a single member limited liability company. There is limited protection for these types of entities. And again, I have provided uh, extensive podcasts and articles on this topic, so refer to the library for more information on this. But suffice it to say, there may not be full protection, particularly in the federal bankruptcy context, for a single member limited liability company. That means there's just one owner. There have been cases in Florida and Ohio that have basically allowed creditors to pierce through the LLC, either going after the personal assets or a personal creditor going after the business assets in the context of bankruptcy. Greater protections available if you use a corporation or a limited liability limited partnership or if you have a multi-member limited liability company in the business context. In the area of trusts, many of you may have already set up a revocable living trust to handle your estate planning. Well, if it's a revocable living trust, 
it does not afford any additional estate or asset protection. It's merely designed to avoid probate and facilitate the handling of your affairs if you become incapacitated. So don't think that a revocable living trust adds asset protection. It might preserve some asset protection for husbands and wives in Virginia and Maryland in particular. But there are certain types of assets that can be protected by using an irrevocable trust. If you took assets of your own and contributed to a trustee in an irrevocable trust, meaning that you cannot pull those assets back out on demand, that might be referred to as a self-settled asset protection trust if it's for your benefit. In most jurisdictions, these self-settled trusts do not provide protection from your creditors if you contribute it to an irrevocable trust. But there are certain states, such as Delaware, Alaska, Nevada, South Dakota, and many other states, and Virginia is one of the more recent states that has an enacted a domestic asset protection trust statute. The statutes vary from state to state, but they do provide some level of asset protection. Another type of trust known as a spendthrift trust that you may create for someone else may provide some asset protection for you. The greatest forms of protection are available in trusts where you set the trust up for a third party not in fraud of a creditor as we discussed in an earlier episode of this podcast and if it's domestic again it depends on the state and how you set it up or if it's offshore outside of the United States there are significant protections available by using offshore asset protection trusts. Let's talk about a case study involving a single member LLC. Let's say Jack wants to start a new franchise business and he's going to use some of his retirement savings. And I know that there are people out there that are being told that they can set up these entities using their 401k, rolling it over into a new uh, pension plan that might be operated by your new company. But you've got to be careful there because the IRS is looking at these types of arrangements very carefully. But getting past the IRS issue, let's say Jack starts his new business and he sets up a wholly owned limited liability company. Well, if he puts the assets into the limited liability company and starts engaging in business and keeps a bank account and keeps separate books and records for the LLC and observes formalities of operating the entity separate from his personal affairs, he generally is going to be protected from the claims of most creditors. However, I can't give you any definitive uh, answer or any great certainty if Jack goes bankrupt or the LLC goes bankrupt as to whether or not that LLC will provide Jack with protection. It may provide protection from the creditors of the business, and it may provide protection from the creditors outside of the business. 
But you've got to be careful here because the cases are just coming out in this area, particularly in the bankruptcy context. If there's a creditor of Jack's outside the business and he has a claim against Jack and he actually gets a judgment, in most states that offer this type of remedy, the charging order remedy, the creditor is not going to be able to pierce through the business to get at the business assets. And likewise, if all of the formalities of the LLC are being followed and Jack is maintaining adequate capitalization inside of the LLC, then he may be able to provide asset protection from his personal assets for creditors of the business who want to try to pierce through the corporate veil of the LLC. So it may work. The better alternative may be to have a partner in the LLC known as a member. And with one, with more than one member, it may provide greater protection, particularly if the member has substance. Here's another case study. Let's say John is contemplating divorce from his wife, Jan. He's got some assets, and he wants to protect these assets uh, that he was really setting aside in his mind for kids from his prior marriage to Jean. Well, he then goes to an estate planner, and the estate planner says, well, we can use an, an irrevocable trust an irrevocable trust. It cannot be changed. And we'll put somebody else in charge of the trust, who's the trustee, who's managing the assets, maybe it's Gene, for the benefit of the kids from the prior marriage. So he takes two-thirds of his assets and puts them in this trust. Jan, his current wife, doesn't know anything about it. In fact, she doesn't consent to the transfer. Can Jan unwind the trust? This is one of those types of situations that I referred to in an earlier podcast which may reveal that there is a fraud on a creditor, Jan, that where the circumstantial evidence and the smell test is applied so that it could be unwound as a fraudulent conveyance. If Jan had consented, or at least had knowledge, and did not object to the transfer at the time it took place, then it may refute Jan's claim that she's entitled to some of those assets as part of the divorce from John. If she signs the consent, then there's no question. And so the better practice in this case if John is contemplating protecting assets for the benefit of his kids from the prior marriage, he's either going to want to have a prenuptial agreement that's enforceable, or he's going to want to allow for this transfer to occur with Jan's consent if it happens during their marriage. If you've got more questions on asset protection, or if you've got questions on tax, estate planning, or business planning topics, <clears throat> please feel free to give me a call, Wayne Zell at 703-218-2177, or send me an email to wayne.zell at ofplaw.com. And thanks for listening to Blueprint for Wealth and this series on protecting your assets from creditors and predators. Hopefully, 
these ideas are giving you ways of building your wealth and helping you achieve your dreams of wealth and freedom.